a nation that used to fear the Lord, to a people whose foundation was built upon God's word. We've allowed the world's opinion to chart a different way, but it's time the church of Jesus Christ God's word will stand against the raging tide of those who criticize and work their evil plans. God's word will stand against the gates of hell with power to prevail in the hearts of men. God's word will stand. They can take it from the courthouse walls, remove it from the schools, teach our children that we're animals, speak against the golden rule, try and hide our Christian heritage from the public eye, but they'll never overcome God's word, no matter how they try. God's word will stand against the raging tide of those who criticize and work their evil plans god's word will stand against the gates of hell with power to prevail in the hearts of men god's word will stand it is forever settled to evermore endure. It's the only way a sinner's heart can ever be made pure. God's word will stand against the raging tide of those who criticize and work their evil plans. God's word will stand against the gates of hell with power to prevail in the hearts of men god's word will stand god's word will stand god's word will Amen. What a great song. Man, some good music tonight, I'll tell you that much. Man, forget the preaching. Let's just do a little singing. Man, that was great. My, oh, my. I sat there listening to that song. Man, I just kind of, I don't know, the Lord gets a hold of you, but boy, what a humbling thing it is that I got to follow that. My, oh, my, the choir and now that, and I think, wow, man, the Lord's all over that. Boy, I don't want to mess it up, you know. Just don't want to mess that up. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to take just a few moments and look at Jonah and make a, a very quick, uh, just a short message, I, I would imagine. I don't expect it to be too long. I, I preached this um, Saturday night. Well, not quite this. It was a variation of this uh, to our uh, Spanish-speaking church um, the other night, and um, of course, Brother Rigo was um, 
interpreting. So, of course, it had to be really short, right? Because then he's going to say the exact same thing I just got done saying. And so uh, you're hoping that that's exactly what I'll preach tonight, right? Because then you'll be out of here in 15 minutes. But, uh, oh, I've added a few things. Yeah, I, I've definitely added a few things. And yeah, so we'll see, okay? I, but I didn't add much. Probably It was just a little bit of scripture, I think, just, you know, 15 or 20 verses. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Jonah chapter 1. Let's begin there and see what we can learn tonight. <clears throat> Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Father, I ask, Lord, you would allow me to be your mouthpiece tonight. What amazing music, Lord. I can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. Oh, Lord, it's just uh, a privilege to be in your house. What a wonderful opportunity it is to stand here in this pulpit to preach. Lord, what a responsibility it is. Lord, of course, with responsibility comes a sense of power where you can truly impact and influence lives. Lord, I don't want to take that lightly, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to mess anything up. So, Lord, I just ask that you would use me tonight. May our hearts be stirred. May we be moved. Lord, may we be motivated to truly reach a world with the gospel. Bless every listening ear, too. Lord, uh, not only anoint my lips, but anoint their ears that they may hear. Lord, may we receive exactly what you'd have for us tonight. And Lord, do your work, your perfect work in our imperfect lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jonah had a very clear call from God, but he traveled a very crooked course. He ran from the presence of the Lord. Anytime we disobey God, we're really running from the presence of the Lord. That's all there is to it. Jonah would board a boat headed to Tarshish. He would pay the fare. He'd make his way down into the belly of that ship. But no matter how much he tried to hide himself, no matter how far he went, he could not escape God. You can't escape God. No matter how far you run, no matter how hard you try to hide, it's never enough. God's going to find you. And the Bible tells us that God sent a great wind into the sea. I'm reminded that when the Holy Ghost showed up at Pentecost, he was identified as a rushing mighty wind. And it would seem to me that when God is trying to wake up you and I from our sin 
And from our disobedience, he'll send the Spirit of God to convict us. And at times, when we are really hard-headed, he'll use a storm in our life to get our attention. The storm was so bad that even those seasoned sailors found themselves fearful for their very lives. It's clear that God was trying to get Jonah's attention, and yet we find him in the belly of that ship asleep. The captain, who had been doing all he could, humanly speaking, to save his ship and save his crew, he ultimately confronts Jonah. And in verse 6, we see that confrontation. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. It's obvious that the captain is concerned for the very safety, the very lives of his crew. It is in his mind that it's, there's a good possibility that the ship could go under, that the whole uh, group of them could perish. He looks Jonah square in the eye. How can you sleep at a time like this? Everyone on deck is praying their guts out. Everyone's crying out to their gods. Everyone's seeking a supernatural deliverance. And how in the world can you sleep while we all perish? Now we know that it wouldn't be much longer before that crew says, you know what, enough's enough. We'll take your advice, Jonah. We'll cast you overboard. And surely they did. And he went from the belly of a ship to the belly of a whale afraid for his life. After three days and three nights, the same amount of time that Jesus spent in the belly of the earth, Jonah would come to his senses and he would repent of his sin and he would be spit out upon the shore. The Bible tells us that Nineveh was a three-day journey, but Jonah would make it in one day. He didn't waste any time. He made tracks and he found his way there to Nineveh where he began to preach the message that God had originally called him to. And we know that that message would ultimately save a people. It would save a city. It would save a nation. I'm just going to say tonight that I still believe God can save a people. He can save a city. And I'm still convinced He can save a nation. Well, I know what the... Some of the naysayers may say, I know that others will say, well, prophecy predicts that I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And you know what? God can do what he chooses to do. And can I tell you, America is not that significant in light of the entire world. There's 330 million people in America and there's 8 billion people in the world. Can I tell you, God could do a revival if he chose to in America. Now, we know the rest of the story. We know that Jonah would not be too awfully happy about the city repenting and God forgiving them of their sin. But tonight, I want to focus on Jonah. I want to focus on Jonah being asleep in the belly of that ship. How can you sleep at a time like this? 
Not only are you living your life in direct disobedience to God and running from God at warp speed, but you are fast asleep, Jonah. Don't you realize that we're all at risk of perishing? And so this evening, I just want to preach a simple message entitled, While We Sleep, They Perish. While We Sleep, They Perish. As I said already, there's 8 billion people on this planet. That's a lot of people. 60 million people a year die in the world. 164,000 die every single day. And I tell you that God has made a provision so that people that die do not have to spend an eternity separated from him. Matter of fact, he's called the church, you and I, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, to a mission. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. According to the word of God, we've been given our marching orders then. We have a call in our life. Like Jonah, we're called to share the gospel with those that are perishing. More than ever, it's time that God's children answer that call. Sadly, like Jonah, many believers are asleep in the midst of the storm tonight. An increased number of believers are on the run from God's call. When we run from God like Jonah, we're going to find it's much easier to sleep while the world perishes. When we run from God, our perspective, our pleasures, and our plans take precedence over a world that's lost and perishing. We become self-absorbed. We become selfish. Our world, it becomes only as big as our own bellies and our own desires. There isn't anyone or anything more important than us. And the fact is, is that it, when we get to a place like that, the world can go to hell as long as we're comfortable and all is well with our souls. The captain of the ship, he admonishes Jonah. And he says, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise! And that is the same message that the captain of our souls is giving to us this day. Arise! It's not time to sleep. It's time to arise. There's work to be done. There's souls to be saved. I read about a young man in Bible college who fell asleep during a class. He, wow, he was, he was just sleeping away. I mean, just sweep, sleeping away. And a friend of his, just a young, a young fellow, he <clears throat> suddenly shook him up and he whispered, hey, he just asked you to pray. That young guy just jumped to his feet and he began to pray. I mean, he just kept on going like that's what he'd been asked to do. And teacher didn't even interrupt him. He's just like, okay. He watches him and he listens to him. And <clears throat> finally the student finishes his prayer and he sits down. The teacher doesn't miss a beat. He just says, thank you very much. And he continues with his lesson. Sadly enough, many Christians today are asleep on the job. Arise, he says. Awake out of your sleep. 
Obey God and rescue the perishing. Why? Because while we sleep, they perish. So what must we do to avoid sleeping while the world perishes? What do we have to do? What must we do? Well, number one, we must never forget who called us. We must never forget who called us. You know it was God who called Jonah? We're talking about God, the creator of the universe. We're talking about God who formed man of the dust to the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. We're talking about God. In Isaiah 55, turn there, would you please? Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. We must never forget who called us. We start forgetting who called us, it's easier to fall asleep while the world perishes. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In Isaiah 57, just a few chapters over, verse 15, he says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell the high and holy place. I dwell in the high and holy place. Well, I'm telling you, God is far beyond us, and God is far wiser than we. And he comes to Jonah, and he says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach to those Ninevites, A message, a message of repentance. Tell them that in 40 days they will be destroyed. And Jonah says, I don't think so. I don't think so. Obviously you got something wrong, God, because you forgot that they're the enemy. I want nothing to do with those people. And honestly, they're all better off dead anyway. Because, see, Jonah obviously forgot who, who was speaking to him. Jonah felt betrayed by God almost. The, those Ninevites, of course, were the enemy in that day. Why would God want to save them anyway? And, you know, when did we ever gotten the right to barter with God when it came to obedience? I mean, when did we get the opportunity to tell God, hey, I think you're wrong. I know you told me to go witness to this person or to go to this world and reach the world with the gospel, but you obviously don't understand the obstacles we face or the times we live in or the types of situations that we face in America today. It's different now, God. It's not fair what you asked me to do. Jonah fell asleep in the belly of a ship. Because he forgot who called him. Number two, what must we do to avoid sleeping while the world perishes? We must never forget our call. Okay, we can't forget who called us, but we can never forget our call. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 12, please. 
See, about now everybody's thinking, oh, we're going to run over to one of those commission verses again. And you know, I would say that that would be a good place to run. And you know, we'll use another one of those verses here in just a moment. But I really believe that when we start talking about the call of God in our life, it's more, much more simple than just something. It's calling us to be a someone. See, God doesn't want soul winners. God wants servants. Servants will be soul winners. God doesn't just want a Sunday school teacher. He wants a servant. It's easy to teach Sunday school. It's not easy to be a servant. And God's looking for servants today, and that's what the real call is today. We've been called out of this world as we talked about this morning, and we've been placed into the body of Christ. But we are to acknowledge and recognize our call, and our call is far greater than just one simple task or position that we'll hold. It's that of being a servant to the one God and true God who saved our soul from hell. Look what he says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And we can stop there for a moment because in the past we've addressed this uh, quite often. Th- those, those mercies have to do with that salvation and that separation and that sanctification that God has extended to us. After everything that God has done for us, Paul the Apostle finally says after 11 chapters, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. For 11 chapters, we've been expressing and explaining to you exactly how God has blessed and met needs and how his mercies are so real in your life. And now, come chapter 12, I'm begging you, in light of those 11 chapters, in light of all those mercies that God has extended to us, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Hmm. That sounds like a call to me. That's an amazing call when you think about it. A call to be a living sacrifice, a call to be holy, a call to be acceptable unto God. You know, you can teach Sunday school and not be holy. You can sing in the choir and not be holy. You can preach the gospel and not be holy. Do you know that you can do all of those things and so many more and not be acceptable to God? The calling far surpasses just an activity or an act. It's not just a matter of One responsibility or two, it is a lifestyle. It is literally the fact that we become his servants, submitted, surrendered, yielded, and given to him wholeheartedly without reservation. We can never forget our call as a servant of God, a living sacrifice. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. With that comes that transformed life. Mark O'Donnell reporting for service. That's what God wants from you and I. That day that God came to Jonah, Jonah, I don't know what he was doing at the time, but God said, listen, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do that. And, And Jonah said, hmm, 
Hmm, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I've done a lot of things for you, God. But I don't like that one. I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not doing that one. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get a ship and pay the fare and I'm heading to Tarshish. Because I'm getting as far away from you and that call as I possibly can. All God wanted Jonah to do was snap to attention and say, Jonah, reporting for duty, sir. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. We can never forget our call. First and foremost, we are called to surrender our lives to God. At Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we see what part of that calling is, though. We recognize what he wants us to accomplish in the midst of that call when he says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. By the way, that is a call to every one of us. That's a commission to the church. And whoever's part of the church, whoever's part of that body of believers, is called in that responsibility. Do you know that the church fell asleep to the call of God early on? Some of you have been in your Sunday school classes in the book of Acts and you've learned about this. They were called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Turn to Acts chapter 8, would you please? Acts chapter 8. They were called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, but found themselves asleep in Jerusalem. You say, well, they were still having Bible studies. Oh, yeah, they were. They were still trying to encourage one another. Oh, yeah. There were still people getting saved. Yes, there were. But they weren't obeying God. You say, well, there's proof, there's evidence that God is here because look what's happening. That's not always proof that God's there. Look what's happening in Acts chapter 8. Because, see, what we're going to find is that the early church found themselves asleep in Jerusalem. As a result, God had to send a storm of persecution in order to get their attention and get them moving. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen, the, the, the deacon. That's why we've never had deacons at Community Baptist Temple, because I don't want any of them to die preaching. Sorry. Okay, so and at that time, <laughs> there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now you have to remember, and as we go back in the book of Acts, when we find Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see their marching orders being explained and spelled out. When he says, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the othermost part of the earth. Here it says that at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea. They had already been in Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. God had to send a storm of persecution. That's amazing, isn't it? We know the Holy Ghost was present. We know that the Holy Spirit had been convicting and speaking, but for some reason they'd been lulled to sleep to the call of God. I tell you, if the early church could fall asleep on the job, my friend, don't think for a moment we couldn't. First of all, We must never forget who called us. Second, we must never forget our call. And number three, we must never grow weary in well-doing. Turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, please. Galatians chapter 6, verse I wonder if you've ever grown tired, ever gotten weary. That's kind of a dumb question because it's the case, isn't it? It's always the case. Last night I woke up at 1 o'clock and I was up till 4, 4.30. Couldn't sleep, so I read the entire Bible. (laughs) I didn't. I did read a couple chapters of a book and thought well, that would make me drowsy and fall asleep, but I got kind of interested in the book, and <clears throat> then I found myself awake. But, man, I'll tell you what, you don't sleep right, you get what? Tired or weary. You get active and you're working hard, guess what happens? You get tired, you get weary. As a believer, we got to be real careful because we can't afford to get weary. Look what it says in Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. He said, let us not be weary in well-doing. Now, there's a physical weariness, and there's a spiritual weariness too, you know. The truth is, is that they're often kind of meshed together. When I first woke up this morning, you can only imagine how excited I was to jump out of bed. It was like 6 o'clock or 6.30, and I'm like, yay! No, I wasn't feeling like that at all. I laid there for a few minutes. I even got up for a moment. I went and laid back down, and then I said, no, I got to get up. You know how that is. And so I did. But can I tell you, I didn't have a bit of problem teaching Sunday school, preaching, and coming back tonight doing the same thing, studying this afternoon. I'm telling you, the Lord will give you strength when you need it. I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but I know what took place today, and all I do is thank the Lord for that. 
And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you aren't sleeping because you're in pain or you're, you're going through a difficult time in your life or maybe you're mentally and emotionally stressing right now. Man, we've got to turn to the Lord. We've got to be very careful. We cannot allow ourselves to grow weary in well-doing. The Apostle Paul established a standard for all of us. I want you to note his closing words. Turn over to the book of 2 Timothy 4. We all want to obtain to this level, if I think. At least I would believe we do. We want to be able to say exactly what he did before he took his final journey. <clears throat> they tell me the older you get, the more often you can't sleep at night. I'm not liking that. Is that true? No, some of you are going, nope, that's not true, and I'm going to believe them, not you. They'd probably take sleeping pills or something. <laughs> they say, better living through chemistry. So anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also, that love his appearing. Man, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. I mean, i got to believe that the Apostle Paul got tired from time to time. I'm sure that was the case. However, he did not get weary in well-doing, it doesn't sound like. He might have got a little weary doing right, but he, 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 I mean, he, he, got, he didn't get so weary that he gave up on it. He might have said, boy, it's not always easy to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's a lot harder not to. Being a Christian can be pretty taxing and trying, but the way of the transgressor is hard. i got to believe that's the mentality, that's what we see. And in this case, he says, listen, I, I, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Was I busy? Was I active? Yes, but I was not going to grow weary in well-doing. I was going to beg God for strength and ability to keep on going. A supernatural strength. Not just a physical, but supernatural. I watch people. I still think of old Emma Kate sitting in the back over here in her little wheelchair. Emma Kate would get dressed the night before because her family wouldn't dress her for church in the morning. And she'd stay dressed all night long. And she had arms and shoulders all messed up and she couldn't move it at all. And her other hand didn't work good. She ended up doing something to her shoulder. And now here she is trying to eat something. And she'd say, Preacher, all I live for is to come to church on Sunday I beg God to give me strength to be in my place every week. That's a supernatural strength. If anybody could have said, I'm wore out, I'm tired, it would have been old Emma Kate. But she didn't. She just kept on going for Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Jonah chapter 1, verse 6, 
The captain comes to Jonah there, sleeping in the belly of that ship. He says, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. How can you sleep at a time like this? We're all going to perish, and you are sleeping? Arise, awake out of sleep. Because while we sleep, they perish. If we get consumed with self, sin, and simple pleasures of the world, they're going to perish. They're going to die in their sin. They're going to spend a Christless eternity in a place called hell. Like Jonah, each of us has been called to a place and a people. In 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. A man came home very late after working one night. He went to the refrigerator. He got himself something to eat. He took it to his room and He turned on the television set. There he finished his food and he kind of kicked back in bed, just kind of watching his favorite show. And as the night wore on, he became increasingly tired and he fell asleep. The bad thing about it was that he was in the middle of a cigarette. And that cigarette slipped from his hand onto the carpet below. It began to smolder, and after some time, a fire started. The man was, by nature, a really sound sleeper, and that would, be, that would prove to be fatal that night because the fire spread quickly across the room, and before he could even awake, the smoke had filled his lungs with death, and the flames would finish the job. You know, the world is not aware of the dangers that lurk about as a result of sin. They don't have a clue. They're not aware of the fire that will burn them. They're just like that man who was consumed by the fire but fast asleep. On the other hand, you and I, We're very aware of that danger of rejecting Christ and of a Christless eternity. However, like Jonah, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves running from the call of God. It's all too easy to be lulled to sleep by our sins, selfishness, our plans, our pleasures, and our prosperity, but we can never forget While we sleep, they perish. Are you awake to the call of God tonight? Are you a Christian that stands before the Lord and snaps to attention and says, Mark O'Donnell, ready for service. I'm at your disposal. Reporting for duty. Just tell me what you want me to do, Lord. I hope, I hope you're awake to the call of God tonight.
Because while we sleep, they perish. Are you actively sharing the gospel? I hope so. Because while we sleep, they perish. And maybe tonight you are somewhat asleep or your eyes are heavy. Awake! Awake out of sleep tonight. Romans chapter 13 verse 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Awake out of sleep. God help us to awake. Because while we sleep, they perish. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Lord, for just the simplicity of your word. And Lord, how you'll use those Old Testament stories and pictures to help us to recognize and understand these truths that apply to us today. Father, I ask, dear God, that you would help us to awake. Lord, there's no doubt that in each of our lives we can get distracted, even lulled to sleep to some degree, get to the place where, Lord, our own desires and our own longings take precedence over the great calling that you have for us. We forget who you are. We forget the call that you've given us. And at times we even grow weary in well-doing. Help us, Lord, to arise and to awake. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all